It's a movement, but it's about people. Be the People is about we the people joining forces to reclaim and reshape the best of our nation's time-treasured traditions. Each week, we offer insightful interviews with movers and shakers from all different spheres of life. And now, please welcome Dr. Carol Swain. Welcome to the Be The People Show. Today, we're going to be talking about something that's on the minds of many Americans today. Those who have children are concerned about education. Are the schools going to be open? Will their children be safe? And because of COVID-19, one of the silver linings in this whole affair has been that parents have been forced to engage in the education of their children. And they're learning for the first time, some of them, what's actually going on in public schools with the curriculum. And they're also getting these strange directives in some cities and states where parents are being told not to listen in on the lessons. Mm -hmm. So they're trying to isolate the children from the parents and really to force secrets between children and parents. And as a consequence, more and more parents, because they are having to take an active role, many of them have left their jobs if they could afford to do so to focus on educating their children. Homeschooling has taken off. And sometimes it's, uh, you know, homeschooling is secular. Uh, today we're talking about Christian homeschooling with a woman who was one of the pioneers in 1996, Lee Bortons started uh, Classical Conversations. And that uh, homeschool curriculum is being used all across America and maybe even the world. And uh, she has thousands of students that are enrolled. And so Lee is joining us today to tell us about uh, why she started Classical Conversations and how you can be empowered as a parent to educate your children at home. And so help me to welcome Lee Bortons to the Be The People Show. Thank you very much, Carol. And I just appreciate all that you do for freedom across the United States and that you're such a strong voice in this time. Um, I love your title of your show, Be the People. And uh, you want to tell me where you came up with that? Because it reminds me of a phrase I use a lot, be free indeed. And so I think it resonates really well, you know, our, our visions. So can you tell me why you called it that? Well, 2011, I published a book with Thomas Nelson. Thomas Nelson, you know, has mm -hmm. been purchased by HarperCollins. And it was Be the People, A Call to Reclaim America's Faith and Promise. And I was so concerned about what was taking place in America a country that was a Judeo-Christian country that has a constitution that's supposed to be the basis of the rule of law, um, I came to the conclusion that most people don't understand, you know, the tenets of the, they don't understand the constitution, that's for sure, <laughs> uh, where it's the we, the people that elect the politicians and those people enact policies and programs on our behalf. But in a country where at the time, something like 78% of the people said they were Christians and you saw the policy outcomes, it was clear that we were not being the people. And uh, what I love about you is that you, starting in your basement in 1997, took the initiative to be the people. So tell our <laughs> listeners about what was going on in your life that caused you to decide that you were going to start your own homeschooling 
uh, network or school or I don't know what your vision was. Yeah, back we, then. we just called it an organization because we do a lot of different things. So my my husband Robert and I have four sons, and our eldest was in middle school in 1996. And we noticed as he was entering high school, a lot of his uh, friends who were homeschooled with him, their parents were getting nervous. They weren't so sure about homeschooling through high school. And my husband and I had done some research about what we really wanted to do with our high school aged children as they grew up and had stumbled upon the classical model. I should say I stumbled upon it. My husband had always wanted us to homeschool classically. He just didn't know what that word was. So he's a good husband, Carol. He would say, you're doing it all wrong, but keep doing it. And so, tell, tell our listeners what you mean by classical. Why is it classical conversations? Yeah, so um, I didn't know what he was talking about either. And then fortunately, there's some books I can recommend. So let me uh, list um, uh, the ones that I've written, The Core, The Question, and The Conversation, if people want more details. But basically, the difference would be, think about modern education. It's a lot, of a lot of material with information on the page that somebody has edited and gives to you. Yes. Versus classical education is to say to a child, by the time you're in high school, I'm going to hand you blank pieces of paper. And you better know how to research and do original source document, um, have the reading level to read original source documents, to have enough of an idea of history and science and how the world works. You spend your high school years filling up pieces of paper. So a classicalist expects a student to be able to create their own textbook or their own book or their own speech or play or art or whatever it is, versus modern education is in Everything's divided into small chunks that somebody else has thought about and gives to you to regurgitate. Now, that's not necessarily bad. There's an aspect of classical education called the grammar where we do that also. And we normally do that with either young children or, if I, or even me. If I was to learn today um, how to weld or knit or learn Russian, I would have to start with the grammar also. The grammar yes. is just the basic ideas and facts. And you can, you know, I tell parents, there's no work in the gram grammatical stage. Just get flashcards and have your children say them out loud to the dog or let them just sing songs in the car that they're just trying to build their minds or fill their minds with copious vocabulary. Because if they have a lot of words and a lot of ideas in their heads, they start asking questions. And that's the next stage of learning. So you've, you've heard of this idea. I want to learn to weld. So your next thing is, how do I weld? What are the materials I use? Who are the experts? And how can I make it so that I can begin the, that process? Um, and then and it applies to math, to everything. So let's move to like a math example. So I've memorized my math facts. I've learned how to do some algorithms. But can I really teach math to somebody else? Can I go to my mom and say, let me just look at you and think out loud while I go through these steps? Because I know if I say them out loud, I'll hear in my head where I'm wrong or what I need to practice. So we call that the rhetoric stage where people go and share things. And the best example of classical education is the scriptures. Jesus said, hide his word in your heart. That's grammar. Then he came to earth and people asked him, right, question after question. Or if they didn't ask him a question, he asked them one. He wanted them to really know who he was and that he was paying attention to them. That's the dialectic. And then the third stage is, okay, so you've got that uh, Bible memorized. You know who Jesus is. Can you go share him? That's the rhetoric. 
And it turns out we do that no matter what we were doing, um, that we input information, we process information, and we share information. It's just human. That's all classical education is, is human. Well, Lee, uh, tell our listeners how you would approach the teaching of the U.S. Constitution or the Declaration of Independence and at which uh, grade level the students would be exposed to that. Carol, that is like my very favorite question (laughs) because every parent kind of has this inkling that if you're going to teach phonics or beginning math, you put your child on the lap or next to you and you go slowly, sound by sound, number by number. But they forget middle schoolers need to do that same thing when it comes to hard ideas. And so as a classicalist, we get the Constitution out or the Declaration of Independence, whatever the original document was you wanted to study. And with my 12, 13, 14-year-olds, we would go line by line and look up words and repeat what we thought it meant and then rewrite a sentence in the Constitution in our own words to make sure that we were understanding what it said. So if you spend just, you know, probably six to eight hours over the course of two or three weeks with the Constitution that way, you start to be able to say the order of the articles, how many of them there are, what the first 10 amendments are, and then, you know, going on through the later ones. And it makes it so that then they're familiar with it. Um, and so that's how we start. We, we treat it like it's phonics when it's a hard idea. We sit together and we wrestle with it until all of a sudden the information isn't just on the paper, but it's in our brain. And then we can tell other people about it. Well, Lee, that's I can tell method. you that the homeschoolers that I have encountered, and I encounter mm-hmm. more and more every day, they are the most creative. Uh, the children, I mean, they know how to do things. I mean, they have uh, little businesses. And um, the ones that I've encountered on the college campus, uh, often they're at the top of the class and they're so far advanced um, above many of the other students that have gone to good schools. I've always taught at elite institutions. And so the homeschoolers I've encountered are holding their own. One thing that a lot of people don't know about is the major universities, not just Christian ones, but universities all across the United States are beginning to have scholarship programs just for classical conversation students. In other words, it's not a lot of money, but they may say we'll waive a certain fee or we'll give $1,000, but they are saying we want those students who have actually read original source documents to list what's in them and explain how things work. And it's not just the Constitution. They do it for science topics, for Latin, for, um, you know, all kinds of things that you could possibly research, uh, logic, philosophy. It sounds like very, it sounds very rigorous. Uh, How long does it take the average parent to go through the Constitution if they use that format? Well, here's... It depends on the child, I'm sure. You've got to be able to read it yourself or spend the time with your children taking it word by word with them, which is so interesting to me because I'm highly schooled. I'm a voracious reader. But when it came to that 14, 15-year-old children that I had, and I said, now it's time to do this, I had a struggle with reading the Constitution. I couldn't do it either. And so I found that this process worked not just for them, but also for me, that I had to go back and pretend I was a first grader when it came to reading hard things and to not be arrogant, to humble yourself. And so that's the same with reading Shakespeare. A lot of parents say, I can't read Shakespeare, or I can't read the King James Bible anymore. Pretend your whole family's in first grade and start with just the basics and read it out loud over and over again. Well, Lee, I have a question for people, parents, and I tend to be impatient. I want everything to happen yesterday. (laughs) Uh, When you're 
dealing with the text uh, and you're teaching a child using that method, it seems to me that it could take maybe a few weeks to go through a document that closely. Uh, what would you say to the parent that's so worried that the child hasn't moved on to the next thing? You know, that's a perennial American problem. We're all such go-getters and we want to, you know, we want to get this done so we can move on to the next thing. And yet they would never treat the Bible that way, would they, Carol? They know they need well, to Well, we would hope over. not. <laughs> <laughs> we, yeah, that's true. We hope not. And so what this is the thing about making what makes it Christian education is I look at how do I treat my Bible? And that's how I treat everything that we learn. And so I take notes. I listen to my pastor, right? We have Bible studies. Um, we make sure that we have, you know, the text that our church is using. So in ours, we might use ESV, but I'm still using the King James at home in order to try to expand on what the ideas are and to make sure we're really understanding it. The thing that's so beautiful about this is one it does take a lifetime because we are inculcating lifelong learners. And as classicalists, we don't care about credits and getting something done. What we care about is being equipped to practice day after day, whatever the Lord gives to us. Jesus Christ is the only one on this earth who is allowed to say it is finished. That's right. When we tell, right? When our children, so all our parents come to me and say, but my child already studied biology. You know, they maybe don't want to study it more. And I'll just think, they're like in 10th grade, they studied all of biology. But we have this <laughs> attitude that once the credit's been through, we're done. You hear people say all the time, I'm going to community college because I can get the credits out of the way. What about the education? Education takes time, and we know that. And so we live under this false paradigm of knocking things out when really we're trying to build a lifetime of perseverance and diligence. It's totally different Christian education from modern education. Now, Lee, how often do uh, parents, when they do classical conversations, do they do it individually or they might, or do they join uh, with other parents on certain subjects and do it as part of a group? Yes, so that's kind of why people join classical conversations. Anybody can go on our website and buy our curriculum, but what people enjoy is what they say is our accountability. So once a week for 24 to 30 weeks, depending how old your child is, the parents and the children all meet at a location together. So that means you have to be neighbors and get to know your neighbor and start, starts to build a community that may not be just your church community. People from five or six local churches are there. We've always limited our numbers so that we never have more than eight students in a class. And so the church, if it only has five classrooms, then the church we need, and we can only have 40 students. So we've always been small and safe and parent controlled. So what happens is, let's say you and I and one of our friends, Carol, we want to get together and do this. And I might say, all right, I'm going to be the director. I'm going to be the logistical person that, you know, make sure all the supplies are there and the church knows when we're coming and, you know, things like that. And you might say, all right, I'm going to take the younger children. I'm going to do the K to sixth graders. And so the parents with children that age are with you. And then maybe our friend does the high school children or works with high school children. So what we do is we um, have the parents there and we have the very specific curriculum that we work on that day so that the parents can learn how to teach classically. This is kind of a crude scripture, but the Bible says a fool returns to his folly the way a dog returns to his vomit. And what we have found as homeschoolers is if we don't have somebody constantly saying, no, Christians learn this way, classicalists do this, we go right back to our easy, you know, hand the kid a worksheet and pretend they learned something. 
And so we, every week, keep encouraging each other to practice this model. And you know what happens? It becomes so much more inexpensive because you just buy books that are, you know, or borrow books, or you can go to the library and get books. And then you don't have to have all this curriculum with it. You just learn how to teach from anything. Now, Lee, uh, what do you do about the current culture? Because I personally believe that more Christian youth need to be taught other worldviews so that they're not blindsided when they go off to college or they interact with people that have a more of a secular background. Is that part of the curriculum at any point? Um, yes. So we have a whole course on, uh, on origins versus evolution, so they can hear what those ideas are. We have a whole year on, specifically with our older kids, on theology, so they can hear different voices. So they would study like C.S. Lewis and Rabbi Zacharias and the Psalms to see what other cultures say about their faiths. So we have it built into that, as well as each of our um, uh, years of study over kindergarten through 12th grade have different themes. So like, for instance, my favorite theme is our challenge one, that's our ninth grade program, and it's freedom. And so they read a variety of American uh, documents and American literature from people that were oppressed within our country, not just blacks, but from all kinds of uh, perspectives. Well, Lee, good. I'm sorry. Um, You know, the big issue now is social justice, and Mm -hmm. that ties into critical theory, which ties into critical race theory, which ties into Marxism. Uh, that is something that I feel the church is ill-prepared to deal with. Would a graduate from classical conversations be able to defend themselves when they're told that they have white privilege or, and um, that their ancestors are responsible for all the sins of the world? Yes, so what we do, if you're in our high school program, you're in six seminars, and four of those six seminars every five weeks has a project due where our students learn to push back, so either through a debate or a grant proposal, um, some sort of argumentative event so they can see and kind of walk in the shoes of the other side, and as a team who enjoy each other and actually do have a Christian worldview, they can kind of safely approach these ideas. So we have kids read the, uh, the Marx, Marx Manifesto, but they're going to do it with their parents nearby and with mm-hmm. like-minded Christians who can help them be guided through that from our perspective because they are children. So we want to introduce them to these ideas. We want what I call the dialectic slap. We want that to happen where it's like, boom, how are you going to deal with this? And we want to do it while they're under our, our house and our households not when it's too late and they're already all out of the house. Well, we're so we going to take that. Uh, that's, that's great and good to know. We're going to take a break. And when we return, I want you to talk specifically to parents or grandparents about how they can get involved. Be the People is sponsored by Cooper Steel, a family-owned business that provides the steel fabrications for buildings across the Southeast. Sixty years ago, Kenneth and Faye Cooper founded the company in Chevyville, Tennessee, which started as a vision is now a nationally recognized company that remains true to its founders' Judeo-Christian values and principles. Cooper Steel is committed to excellence, responsibility, and community. Its motto is build strong, stand strong. It treats its employees and customers like family. Learn more at coopersteel.com.
on America's cities and claims of racism in the ranks of law enforcement have spirited a renewed debate on racial equality. It was Alexis de Tocqueville who reminded us, Americans are so enamored of equality. They would rather be equal in slavery than unequal in freedom. To which I say, be warned of the shiny object, America. AmericaOutloud.com is the voice of liberty and justice for all. Well, it's a fight for the soul of humanity. I'm back with my guest, Ali Bortons, and we are talking about uh, classical conversations, Christian homeschooling. And Lee, if I'm a parent and I'm listening to the show, I'm a grandparent and I want to learn more, or maybe I'm, I feel insecure. Like, I'm not sure I can do this as a teacher uh, of my children. What would you say to that person first? Well, first, go to classicalconversations.com. Just, we have a lot of resources there. And we've actually put out some new resources specifically for the COVID situation because there are areas in the country where people aren't being allowed to meet together. And so we continue to have more at-home help for those areas. Um, you know, things that they, parents can do day-to-day -to, -day to be introduced to this model. But the best thing to do is to know that the Lord is your province and he will not give you children without equipping you to raise them, but you have to pay attention and do the hard work of learning how to be a good parent and how to, you know, teach them about the scriptures and about knowing the God's world. So this is what's funny to me, Carol, is parents know they're supposed to teach their children God's word, but somehow it's been stolen from them that they can also teach them about God's world. And that's part of what we're recovering. So for the parent who feels like they can't do this, we know that's how you feel. And so when you enter into one of our communities, this is why we have trained tutors and we have all kinds of free events for parents. So you can just one step at a time, get better and better at learning how to recover classical Christian education. And another thing I'd like for you to talk about is the conferences, because I know in Nashville and various places across the country, there are conferences for homeschoolers. Uh, are yes. You, yes. Could you say a little bit about that? And also maybe the legal resources, because we see some states and localities that push back against homeschooling. So if you go to HSLDA, Homeschooling Legal Defense Association, they have all the actual laws for every state and then any sub-jurisdiction. And they have the correct information. Sometimes bureaucrats are new to a job or have a political agenda, and they may tell you something that's not true. So first get the right information from hslda.org. Then second, you can trust that homeschooling actually is legal and doable everywhere in the United States. We have a couple of states, you could guess which ones, California and New York, where it's difficult to homeschool compared to other states, but it is even legal there. Then the second thing to do is there's usually some sort of state organization that has a, a state conference once a year, as well as their main job is to lobby for you at the state level to make sure we stay free for homeschooling. So support them. Then the third one is we have what are called um, parent practicums. And throughout the United States, we had like 700 of them last year. Three-day events where parents could come for free 
And for three days with no cost, we train you how to use the classical model. Now COVID made it so that we got through May and then they got shut down. So we don't know what's gonna happen next summer, but we do know whether it's live or on the, through Zoom, we will still have these events. But we're not the only ones. You can look at any single um, uh, uh, Christian classical curriculum for homeschoolers that's out there, and they all have webinars and training. We love people like the Searcy Institute and the Institute for Excellence in Writing. There's just a lot of folks that we partner with. And because I can't reach everybody, and I'm not an expert in everything, so it's just really good that there's so many of us out there now that can help parents. You do not need to homeschool alone. In fact, I call classical conversations homeschooling with a friend, and I think that's the attitude for most homeschooling organizations. We, we need help. We need accountability. Iron sharpens iron. And you know who needs friends more than those kids? The parents need friends. So please join some sort of organization if it's not mine. That's uh, very good advice, I think, for parents. And uh, one of the uh, issues, I think, with COVID has to do with uh, some states, you know, that are that seem to be trying to use that as a way to gain more control over children uh, and maybe, in some cases, isolating them from their parents to get information. And so I think that that's something that parents really need to know their legal rights when it comes to how much state intrusion is proper. Mm-hmm. There's also, um, for folks that like single moms, uh, people who are maybe going through like a house burning down, you know, and so life is just hard right now. That's whether it's COVID or not. HSLDA has a foundation where there's some scholarship money to help you get through things like that. We in classical conversations don't specifically have a scholarship fund. What we prefer to do is like, I mean, this happens all the time. You're in a community with this eight to 10 parents and something really goes wrong. Those other parents will hop in and make sure your kids are fed and that they get to the program and that, you know, if you, they'll give you used material. We take care of each other because that's what Christians in community are supposed to do is be one body. And so a lot of people think that, um, you know, it's just, uh, that, that you'll be just so much on your own and, and you just don't have to be. There's so many resources. Well, are there resources such as uh, states that have passed uh, voucher programs uh, for charter schools or, or private schools? Would homeschooling parents be eligible for any kind of funds like that? Because the federal dollars that would apply to that child, if that child is not in public schools, where does that money go? Right. So what we prefer to do is to have people be free indeed. We have another saying, Carol, with the shekels come the shackles. So I'm not personally interested in promoting federal funding or state level funding for any kind of school situation because they will always drive out Christ. And we've seen that everywhere. And where there even are vouchers now, you can't, if you're a homeschooler getting that voucher money, you can't turn in papers that talk about Jesus. Right. So you got to be really careful about that. So as somebody who really believes in the free market, I think all school should be local school. And therefore, you can make decisions, whether it's as neighbors on a street in a community church um, or in an HOA, if you want, you can put together all kinds of school, school situations and then ask the local neighbors to help pitch in to pay for the education. I just met with a gal that you actually know too, and when the meetings were at together, and she's putting together a program through her church where the grandmothers are each taking five or six kids 
that seem to be kind of lost in this situation. And they're all just meeting at the church three days a week and going through what they feel like is a really good curriculum. And she was so empowered to learn she could develop her own Christian curriculum for these children, that she didn't have to follow the state's secular mandates. Hmm. So if people would get just really creative, there's no reason grandparents can't homeschool. There's no reason you can't hire a 16-year-old girl in the afternoons to come over and help you with the school. That's right. You can do whatever you want if it's on the local level and it's free. It's right. The, the, shekels, the shackles come when we get money from somebody else. So just stop it. Don't even think that's a good idea. Now, we need to take uh, another break. And when we return, I'm going to have you, uh, again, tell people how they can connect with you. So let's take our break and tell people more about your program. What if there was a book that took the mystery out of prayer, one that made it easier for people to pray God's Word with miraculous results? There is such a book. Joy Lamb's The Sword of the Spirit, The Word of God is a handbook that has changed the lives of thousands of people around the world. You can order your life-changing copy from Joy Lamb's website, The Sword of the Spirit Book. Order Joy's book and listen to her audio prayers while you're there. I'm back with Lee Bortons, and we have been talking about classical education. And if you're, you know, tuning in and if you're hearing this on radio, you can go to BeThePeopleNews.com and that podcast, my interview with Lee Bortons will be listed and so you can listen to it in its entirety. So Lee, first I want to thank you so much for everything that you have done and what you're doing for America's children. And I'm a strong proponent of school choice, which means that parents are the best people to decide how to educate their children. Uh, The children don't belong to the state, they belong to the parents. And so I want to commend you for everything that you've done and give you a few minutes to tell our listeners about... um, what next steps if they want to learn more. Thanks, Carol, and I appreciate being here. So again, go to classicalconversations.com, and it might help parents to know that I've always been very entrepreneurial, and one of the things that's built into this curriculum is opportunities for local Christian classical homeschooling parents to actually make money as tutors and trainers for us. So that might interest some of the parents who've had to give up some income. I also want them to know that the number one reason we've grown as fast as we have, we have over 100,000 students and their parents enrolled in our curriculum, as well as toddlers and preschoolers that aren't enrolled that are in the family and are working with their parents. So we touch almost a half million people every single year. Um, And we do that across the globe. We're in 43 countries besides the United States. And the number one reason we've grown is because of the military. When you're in the military and you have to move every two, three years, these mamas are so glad that when they get somewhere else, immediately they have a community that's homeschooling to plug into. Right. So I just wanted to give the plug for that. And we also have a lot of really stable communities where people have been in the same program for 10 to 15 years and have raised all their children through it. So, you know, something for everybody. And the, your website again? Classicalconversations.com. And are you on Facebook and Twitter? Yeah, just type in those words and you'll still find it. Okay. Well, thank you again. And for the listeners out there, Lee Bortons has shown, Lee Bortons has shown you 
how we can be the people and take responsibility for our children's education. And so there's no reason we have to be at the mercy of the state. And we are in an election year. One of the most important things we need to do is to make sure we preserve our freedoms. And so as a parent, you need to be involved in the politics affecting your city, state, and uh, national government. Make sure you register to vote. That's part of being the people. So thank you so much. Until next time, be the people.